Well, good morning, everybody. How are you guys doing? Good. Well, if you're new here, you're joining us for the first time. My name is John. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm excited that we are here together again. It's so much chatter, so much uh, just buzz around what's happening here, and so I'm so glad. As you can see, we have... We have some great kids. That is Lucas. He is the first of our COVID babies. We didn't even get to meet him until today. And so Lucas is one of our older COVID babies. And we have Chelsea, who's in the back, who's one of our younger ones. And Haley, I think Haley's the youngest one that we have, and they're not here today. But it's so exciting. And I brought Faith today, too. So for those that didn't get to meet Faith, uh, she's around as well. Um, yes, I, I contributed to the COVID babies. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I just wanted to be to 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 start off today with just Thanksgiving and just with gratefulness and just to be able to see all your faces, to be able to see you guys. And for those that are still at home and joining us from home, uh, I totally understand your decisions, and I w- we want to respect those decisions in terms of whether you're you're staying at home or coming coming into the service here. But as you can see, we have a new backdrop. Mountains, what does that have to do with anything? Well, our new theme is called Foundations, and mountains represent that aspect of the firm foundation that we are set on. And that there are so many things and so many analogies with mountains in terms of our journey and our discipleship with God. And that's why we chose the theme of mountains. And for those that, are, that know geography and could recognize what the mountain range is, on this side, my right to your left, I guess, your left, those are the two sisters, or the two lions that are in North Vancouver. And on this side, you guys probably won't recognize it, but it is Mount Sinai. And part of the reason why we did our local mountains is because we are a local church. But why did we bring in Mount Sinai to it? It's because that's where everything kind of began. It's where the beginning is. And so much of what our series is, is going back to the foundations of where the church started. Why do we do this? Because over this last year, out of pandemic, we've gone through 18 months of pandemic. Isn't that crazy? 18 months. It's not over. Okay, don't relax too much. It's not over yet. But we haven't met together as a church in 18 months. We've changed the way that we live, live, the way that we interact with each other. We've gone through lockdowns and social distancing and mask wearing, sanitizing and takeouts and deliveries from working from home, learning over Zoom, video calls. All of these things have become a new normal for a lot of us. That even as we are coming out of the pandemic, that things that we were doing during the pandemic, we realize actually this is kind of nice. The fact that I don't have to commute to work has, cut, has given me so much more time back, has slowed my life down, has slowed my pace down. For some of us, we've lost jobs during the pandemic. And yes, it's, it's, it's hard, but in, in some ways, for, for, it became an opportunity for us to actually look for new careers. The pandemic has changed so much in terms of how we relate to each other, how we, how we live, and for some it's better, for others it's not. We realize the need for each other, we realize the, the need for community and the need for social interaction. 
we, some of us began to starve that. We were so bogged down in that, that lockdown mentality that we're just like, oh, I'm getting stir crazy in my home right now. The pandemic has really challenged the way that we live, but more so, it challenged some of our core values of how we relate to each other and how we relate to society. As we start turning the corner with vaccinations and reopening and trying to go back to, a, to what was once normal, we realize that there is actually a new normal, a new way of doing things. It's not bad, but it is new. But this isn't the only thing that happened during the pandemic. As the busyness, the, the busyness of life slowed down, it allowed other things to surface. As George Floyd was killed alongside other countless others in the black community, a, awareness rose for the Black Lives Matter movement. As violence rose against the Asian community because of the COVID blaming, in here in Vancouver, 717%. That's how, how high it went in terms of anti-Asian sentiments. These racial tensions rise up because of deep-rooted systemic issue within our society. That not all things in the Canadian is, are, are part of the Canadian dreams for all people and that not all things are made equal. Are these new problems? No, they're not. So why now? Why are we bombarded with these things? Well, we could all choose to live and ignore all of these things. But I believe there is a reason. I believe that as we slowed down, some of these issues came up because God allowed them to come up. These issues came up because God cares deeply about all of these things. And as image bearers of God, our hearts should also care about these things. In 1 John 2, 6, it says this, whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. It means that whoever claims that you are part of God and that you are a child of God, you must live as Jesus did. Would Jesus care about these things? Absolutely. Jesus would absolutely care about all of these things. A lot of these problems are systemic problems and many of the systems that were designed by those that have claimed to be Christians and therefore represents the church. In our current cultural climate, the church has been given many reasons for people to look at the church and hate the church. During this pandemic, many of these things were brought to light and I believe it is also the church's responsibility to begin the process of reconciliation. What does that look like? It's to behold the glory of God and allow the world to see who God really is. But it all starts with us looking at the way we live. So this is what this new sermon series is gonna be focused on and built upon. It's the foundations of the New Testament church. The church was started by Jesus and it continues today until he returns. So as we go in, let's pray. Father God, we just come before you. We ask for your spirit to come. We ask for a spirit of understanding and spirit of grace and mercy as we go through your word. Lord, as we dissect what you have to speak to the church, what you have to speak to the city, what you have to speak to this country and to this world, Lord, may we be the church that 
where we can pivot in a way that your spirit wants us to pivot. So Father God, we come back to a place of just kneeling before you and asking for your wisdom and how we are to be your church and how we are to be your people. So Lord, we thank you for this time and pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you guys have your Bibles, and I encourage you guys to bring your Bibles every week. I know that you either have a digital copy or a physical copy. If you don't have physical copies, we have free physical copies of the Bible for you to take home. They're just on the way out. Um, Please take one home if you need a Bible. But I would like for you guys to be able to open the book. I'd like you guys to be able to be in the Word because there are so many things that we're going to be jumping around on. If you've been part of our church, usually we, we, we do what we call expositional preaching, where we preach through a book. This season, we're going to go into what we call topical preaching, where we're actually going to be preaching on topics. But when we preach on topics, we jump around the Bible a lot, and we pull references from different places. And so because of that, I want you guys to be able to have your physical copies. Yes, I'm going to put scripture on the screen. But there's so much more than just the scriptures that I put on the screen that sometimes as you're reading it from your book, that you realize, oh, actually, God is speaking more to me than even what Pastor John is giving me. And so I want you guys to bring your Bibles. I want you guys to have that. But how many of us growing up has played a a game called telephone or has heard of a game called telephone? We all know what it is. If you guys don't know what it is, it basically is, as kids or even as adults, is a great ice-breaking kind of game where one person in the, everybody lines up, one person begins with a phrase, and they whisper it into the second person's ear and it goes down the line. And what's great about this game is that as it goes down the line and it gets whispered into each other's ears, by the time we get to the end and the last person announces, this is the phrase that I heard, it is usually so far removed from what the original phrase was. And it's a fun game because it's comical. It's funny because in the aspect, in the tradition of, of, of telling or speaking, somehow the phrases get lost in translation. It gets lost as it's being passed down the line. Through the next couple months, I want to take time to unpack what we're going to call ecclesiology, okay? Ecclesiology is a big word. I'm going to explain it to you. I'm going to, I'm going to try to avoid huge theological terms, but this is exactly what we're going to do. We're going to look at the ecclesiology of the church. It's the study of the church, the theology that's applied to the nature and structure of Christian church. So we're going to go into an ecclesiology-type study over this next couple of months. Are we okay with that? We're going to look at the church. What is the church? You. You are the church, not this building, you. And so we're going to look at the church and we're going to look at what are we doing as a church. I want to answer some of the questions where, where we are looking at who are we? How do we live? What do we do? These are the things that we're going to unpack, but we're going to unpack it by looking back at the early church, those that were closest to Jesus. Because like telephone, we are several thousand years removed from Jesus and the early church. And in that time, some things are lost in translation. But if we go back to the source, go back to how it first started, 
we then get to unpack some of these things and some of the traditions that we do as a church. And my hopes is not that we, we deconstruct anything. My hopes is for us to get back into the fundamentals of what the church is about. So what is the church? If we look at the church, the church was set after Jesus, okay? New Testament is when the church began. If we look at the Bible, we have it separated into both the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament speaks on the character of God and the character of humanity and how God and humanity intersects. But what that sets it up for is for Jesus to come in the New Testament and that Jesus is the ultimate plan for, for God's reconciliation to mankind. So you have the Old Testament, which tells us all these great epic stories Right? I love reading Old Testament. It's epic. All the stories are crazy. They're out of this world. God uses the strangest people and strangest things and even animals to speak to, to people. That's the Old Testament. It speaks of the character of God and the character of humanity and how hardened man is. And then comes the New Testament where this is the break. It's, the, it's, it, it's what God sets as this is what is new. So first four book of the gospel, same story. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, exactly the same story, gives us a different perspective of who Jesus is. And then it's the book of Acts, which is the rest of the story of the New Testament. And then what's to follow Acts are all the letters that fill in all the details of the book of Acts. Does that make sense? And so the book of Acts is what the church is. And that we continue the book of Acts. That we are continuing... We continue as the New Testament church, that the New Testament church isn't over when Acts is over, that we are the legacy of what the apostles did in the book of Acts. Does that make sense? So that is the structure of the Bible. As Jesus has lived, the apostles continue to follow. And as Jesus died on the cross, he leaves behind this is the church now, and he leaves it all to his apostles to lead. So what is the church? We find the definition and the mission and the purpose of the church in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. It talks about the early church as they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and to the prayers. Four things that, they, that, that is marked out here. That they were first devoted. They devoted themselves to what? The apostles' teachings. And to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayers. This is very, 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 very simplified in terms of what the church is about. Do we do these things as Five Stones Church? Yes, of course we do. So are we on the right track? Yes, Sort of. I'm not saying Five Stones isn't. But I want to challenge Five Stones to do more. The very basic analysis of the early church shows us that it was a, a community-oriented thing. The early church is not an institution, but a family. Kisses were shared, possessions were shared, homes were shared, meals were shared. The early church practiced a relational ecclesiology. It was a one another religion. We just went through a whole sermon series on the one another's. 
And like we said, the one another, sometimes we look and read the one another's and it's, it's a good suggestion for us as Christians to, to live out. But in actuality, how the one another's played out in the New Testament and how the one another's were meant to be is out of our relationship that we just do it. It isn't just, oh, we need to do it because we're good Christians, but it's because we are Christians, therefore we do the one another's. So they lived a one another type theology and ecclesiology in the early church. In Acts 4.32, it also says that all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything that they had. The church operated naturally and organically. The church was also not confined to date, time, or place. Worship was a way of life for the faith community, not as an expression of a meeting once a week. And when meetings occurred, they were marked more by spontaneity and flexibility than liturgical form and structure. Early churches are, had leadership based on purpose and role and not on hi- hierarchy. Elders were to shepherd the flock, deacons were to serve the physical needs of the people, and the evangelists preached the word. Churches were autonomous and thereby free from para-institutional and denominational structures and organizations. The early church was a grassroots movement that lived itself out in everyday society. It was mission-filled community. The logical results of such dynamic and organic movement led to exponential growth. That is the early church. Does our church today look like that? Somewhere down the telephone line of humanity and the church, although keeping its main foundation, began to lean on becoming an institution and lost the relational way of living. Did you know that the church is the only religion where we can operate without a building. There is no other religion that, that, that could operate without that building, that the church began without a building. That they met in each other's homes and that they met all the time, every day. Whenever they can, there was spontaneity to it. But when we talk about going to church, Notice that phrase, that we go to church. We go to church on Sunday as an event. We do our praying, our worship, our teaching, our breaking of bread, everything that was listed in Acts 2 in a well-packaged 90-minute service. We go to church. But that's not what the early church was about. The earlier church was about that we are the church. We don't go to church for an event. We don't go to church to to take in the aspects of God and the aspects of the Holy Spirit and the aspects of Jesus on the one-day event that's packaged into this 90-minute service, but that the people, you guys, are the church. That means that as you are the church here, as we, as we worship together, when you walk out of this building, you continue to be the church, that you continue to be the ministers, that you continue to be the pastors that, are, that, that you are respectively placed in. That is what the church is about, that the church is about our everyday living and our moment-to-moment living, that we need to incorporate teaching, prayer, fellowship, 
into every aspect of our lives. That we are in community together and encouraging each other. Why did the early church need to do, need to do this? Because the early church, when it first was founded, was persecuted. The Roman government saw the church as a threat. As it rose up, and they saw it as a threat against the government. So the Roman government, the same Roman government that persecuted Jesus and nailed him to the cross, began to persecute Christians for 300 years. The church was persecuted, yet it thrived and it grew in exponential ways. Why? Because the church wasn't just about great teaching and great worship. That's not enough to sustain a church. The church understood the cornerstone of what it was built on and that the cornerstone and everything that we believe in is built on the personhood of Jesus. That's the motivating factor. That's where we set all of our perspectives on. That's what we set everything that we are on. That we are to be more like Jesus. The church today, what we have set up in our Christian life is so compartmentalized that we have set up our church for visitation. For Jesus to come and visit us, we come to church like, okay, Jesus, come. Give me your week's worth of download in this 90-minute session so that I could be sustained for the rest of the week. That's what we've, we've become as a church. If we're more spiritual, we'll add in a prayer meeting. If we're more spiritual than that, we'll add in a cell group. If we're more spiritual than, than that, we'll add in morning devotions with Pastor Rich at 6.30 in the morning. No, that's not how we're called to live. We're called to live 24-7 under the Holy Spirit. What we're calling this is habitation. Is that, that the Holy Spirit is for us and lives in us and is with us all the time. Amen. That our lives are a life of worship. That our lives is a life of fellowship. That our lives is a life of teaching. That we read the word and we take in the word. That this is who we are. That our lives revolve around prayer. When the world sees that you start living this way, the church begins to look different. Why? Because you are different. We are called to be image bearers of God and imitators of Jesus Christ. The devotion of the apostles' teachings comes from the Bible. You know that the early church, the, the, the very beginning of the early church, never had the New Testament. They didn't, it didn't exist. The early church did not have the New Testament, and the apostles' teachings are the epistles in the Bible. So every, all the books that come after the book of Acts are the letters that were written by Paul and John and James, and, and all of these are apostles' teachings. So they devoted themselves to these apostles' teachings, and the early church got the, the live aspects of these teachings. They're not reading and trying to, to do some studies on the book of James or the book of Hebrews or, the, or that. They literally got firsthand Paul speaking to the early church saying, this is what you need to do. This is the letter that I'm writing to you in prison. This is how you're supposed to live. That's the, the teachings of the apostles. Isn't that cool? Yes. It blows my mind to think about that. 
But they were set in that, and the fellowship was super important because of that persecution. Like I said, the church was persecuted for 300 years until Constantine came to liberate the church from persecution. But what Constantine did also was he implemented the church into government, which became the Roman Catholic Church. But what happened in that is that the church became an institution because of the politics that it got involved with. That it became, a, it became about power and control. And it lost the essence of what the church is supposed to be. It lost the essence of where the church is supposed to be built on, which is who Jesus is. If you turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1. Okay, let's, let's start in verse 7, okay? It said, In him we have redemption through the blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavishes upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he sets forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time, to do what? To unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. This is the purpose of Jesus. The mystery is unveiled. The mystery is new. The mystery is that Jesus has come to unite what is from heaven and what is from earth. That when Jesus came to live, his life was about that. It was united and bringing heaven to earth. And that as he died on the cross, he bridged that gap, allowing us to have the power of the Holy Spirit to continue the ministry of Jesus Christ. And so therefore, the way that we are to live, we are to live in a way and in a sense that we understand who Jesus is and therefore we do the exact same things of Jesus. What is the church reflecting when it comes to reflecting Jesus Christ? Do we do the ministry of Jesus Christ? I think in some ways we do, but in some ways we forgot what Jesus' ministry was about. Jesus knew who the Holy Spirit was. Jesus always lived with the Holy Spirit. The, the Holy Spirit was working in him and through him all the time. Jesus, as a man, showed us that we have the ability to do the exact same thing. That when Jesus died on the cross, that he reconciled, that's why the church has a ministry of reconciliation, because Jesus is the reconciler of us to God. When that happened, the Holy Spirit was given to us to do exactly as Jesus did. Amen. That as we sit here, we look at ourselves and say, well, I'm so far from Jesus. Trust me, I know. I am the furthest person away from Jesus. Do I still carry doubts? Yes. Do I still carry sins? Yes. Do I, do I do bad things? Do I have bad thoughts? Absolutely. As a pastor, I, have, I struggle in these areas too. But because of Jesus, his grace is there. Amen. And because of his grace, we can operate in a place where we can still be like him. Because in his grace, our sins are forgiven. Past, present, and future but it gives us this responsibility for us to serve in the way that Jesus did. How did Jesus serve? Jesus served by teaching, but Jesus also served by doing. Jesus always saw those that were downtrodden, those that were hurt, those that were, were outcasts of society. 
And Jesus spoke truth into the places where people were hurting. Jesus, pre- Jesus did miracles. Jesus did so many miracles to draw people to him, to draw people to the power of who God is, that he did miracles that did not make any sense, that it, it, it surpasses all medical understandings. And I believe the church still needs to do miracles today that we still need to put our trust and our faith in who God is and what he can do and that he still performs miracles today. We need to believe that God is able to work through his church the way that Jesus has left the church. We exist and we have salvation because of what he did. This grassroots movement, as it became part of the governmental system, moved into politics, and politics came the desire of power control and lost the essence of what the church was to do. As we look at it, it also talks about the breaking of bread. Now, the breaking of bread, we know it as communion. We do communion all the time, and there's a reason why I want to do communion today. The purpose of communion, as Jesus said, as he broke bread at the last supper is this. He said to them, do this as often as you can. Do this every time you meet. Do this as a remembrance of what I'm doing on the cross. What is breaking of bread? What is the purpose of it? The purpose of breaking of bread is to bring courage It's to bring strength and it's to ensure our identity as followers of Christ. That's what breaking of bread is. Breaking of bread is a reminder for us that we belong to Jesus and what Jesus did on the cross for us. It is to bring you courage. So that's why when the early church met, breaking of bread is something that they always did because in persecution, you need to be reminded of why You believe these things because you're putting your life on the line there. Your life is at risk when you become a follower of Jesus. And so you need courage. You need to inject courage into yourself. And so as you come together as a fellowship, Jesus said, break bread. Remember what I did for you so that you could go out and do the same that I did. Breaking of bread is a reminder of your identity in Jesus Christ. That's why we do it as a church all the time, okay? I will encourage you guys, if you guys are in cell groups or you guys are, are meeting together in small groups, to, to take time to break bread. You don't have to wait till the first Sunday of every month to do it with Five Stones Church. You can break bread together. You don't need a pastor to lead it. You can break bread together and say, this is Christ's body that was broken for us. This is the blood of Jesus shed for us to reconcile us to who he is, to empower us with his courage, with his strength, to empower us with his Holy Spirit so that we could go out and do exactly as Jesus did, to feed the poor, to, to, to take care of the widows and orphans, to, to do miracles. That's what Jesus wants us to do. These are all things that we, are, we, we, we start losing in our church because we lose sight of what is the foundations of the church. The strength of the church comes from who Jesus is, not the institution that we're part of, 
not the dogma, not the, the theology that this church believes in, but it comes from the, the heart of Jesus Christ. His heart is the ultimate sacrifice reconciling you to your, to your creator, and you are therefore an image bearer of God himself. This is where we start. This is just the beginning of where I want to take you through in this journey of, of really expanding what the New Testament church is about. But we need to understand the foundation begins with Jesus as a cornerstone. In Ephesians it says, so when you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundations of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. That's the church. That's who we are. It's not this building. This building is a tool. Okay, it's a tool for us to reach out to our community. This isn't the church. You're the church. Every single one of you guys sitting here is the church, not the building. I mean, throughout the world, there are beautiful churches all around the world. My undergrad was in architecture. I love architecture. I love buildings. I study buildings for fun. Yeah, boring. <laughs> we understand Pastor John is boring now. But that's not the church. That's not the representation of the church. It's an expression of the church, but it's not what the church is. The church is you, and it begins with you, and it starts with you. So how do we behave as Christians? As we look at our current cultural climate. We're like, well, John, this is hard. This is hard. We're, we've been bombarded with more things in this last year and a half about thinking about who we are, what where our identities are, and how do we relate. And, and, and some of us get so caught up in it and so worried about it how do we actually look and how do we interact with each other that we almost start to begin to not know how to interact. That we, we, we start looking and being very aware of our own race and our own standings and where we are at. But Micah 6.8 gives us what the Lord requires of us. That you act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with God. Let's start there. To act justly. If there are justice issues, stand up for those justice issues. Stand up for what is just. Speak up for those things. To love mercy. That if there is something that is coming against you and that, that, that offends you, that you extend the mercy of God. That yes, there are things that are going to come at you. But instead of attacking back, extend mercy. 
And to walk humbly with God is understanding your position and your posture with Jesus. And that as you walk these things out, that you represent who God is. As a church coming back into a new normal, we are called not only to change the methods of how we are to meet, but also to reevaluate the fundamentals of who we are. To hold on to the glory of our salvation through Jesus. So today as a response to this, I'd like us to break bread together. So if you've missed the communion aspect, if you missed it, please raise your hand. The ushers, our hospitality team will bring um, a little COVID communion cup to you. But I want us to be able to break bread today. Why? So that we bring in courage to strengthen us up and to ensure our identities as followers of Christ and our identity as the church of Jesus Christ. Can we do that together? I know that this series could be a little heavy to take at times, but I don't want this series to be heavy in the sense that we have, we're, we're, we're just inundated with just these, these feelings of guilt. I want this series to really lift you guys up as a church. I want this series to lift you up and challenge you to be the church that Jesus said to us to be. As we bring in the new deacons, all of that is part of this. As I talk to the deacons, I'm just, I tell them, go out there, see what the needs in the community are, and then come back and let's start something new. That's what I want this church to do. That we go out there and we come back and we are able to start something that is new. Not new in the sense of something that is some completely different, but new in the sense that we go back to what was original. Go back to the place where Jesus makes us new. That by Jesus dying on the cross, that he made you new. That when he shed his blood, he made you new. That you are no longer sinners, but saints. That when Jesus, when God looks at you, he doesn't see the sins that you've committed, but the righteousness of Jesus on the cross. That's what this is about. It's to bring courage into your spirit, to bring courage into your heart so that you could go out there and be ministers of Jesus Christ. Amen, church? Jesus took the bread and he said, this is my body that's broken for you. The body of Christ. Then he took the cup and he said, this is my blood that's shed. I've established a new covenant with you. Something brand new. Making you new. The blood of Jesus. So church, as we go today, as we start this new series, this is where I want us to start. 
this is where I want us to come together and say, we can do this together in community and fellowship with one another. Can we say amen to that church? Are we in it together? I'm so excited for this sermon series. I'm so excited because it, it brings something that is quantifiable, that is actionable, that we could do for our community. And it shows the glory of Christ. So as image bearers, behold the glory of Jesus. Hold on to it so that the world may know. Let's pray. Father God, may we come before you and may we continue to ask for your wisdom and how we are to move. We ask for you to come and send your spirit to, to be with us, to encourage us, to strengthen us, so that we represent you as a church. So Father God, may we continue to get different glimpses of how you want us to be as a community. May we begin to, to, to allow for your spirit to habitate with us and not just set you up for visitation. Lord, may we understand a life with you and a life together. So Father God, we love you. We worship you. We give all praise and honor to you and all glory be to who you are. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Do you know why we're in this room 2,000 years later? Because God never stops working. Empires have come and gone. Countries have come and gone. I heard one pastor say, you know what? Apple's going to be gone in 100 years. Google's going to be gone in 100 years. United States is going to be gone in 100 years. That's pretty bold stuff. And it's true. But the church remains not because of us, but because God never stops working. He's all in on you and me. I don't know where John got the insight that communion is meant to release courage in us. But that was a thunderbolt from the Holy Spirit. You transport yourself back to the early church and you realize when they took the bread and the wine, it was so tangible and so real. Like this is what we're staking our life on. We're separating ourselves from the world. We're identifying with Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. We're a new community. We've been washed clean of our sins and we are free. We are free. We're not under bondage. I don't care if we're under the rule of Romans. We are free. What you heard this morning is what the Bible calls sound preaching. Paul said to Timothy, preach soundly. Ecclesiastes 12, 11 says, the words of the wise are like well-driven nails. If you're a carpenter, you know what? The nail doesn't go in after one hammer multiple iterations before that nail is firmly secure. And so we're gonna reiterate, we're gonna keep coming after these things, and you might go, ow, that nail kinda hurts, that's the point. In order to make it sound in your life, we need to keep bringing these points home to us.
Father, we thank you that we are your legacy. We're downstream from Calvary. Lord, that we exist as a congregation is a glory unto you. Who are we, oh God, that you would call us out? Touch us afresh and fill us for courage, with courage in this hour that we can shine and shine and shine without fear. Make us bold as lions. We're not going to whimper. We're going to be strong in you. We give you praise, Lord God, that the foundations are being set afresh in your people. We thank you now. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Have a blessed week. Be the church. We'll see you next Sunday.